What's going on, guys? Welcome to In The Zone. I'm your host, Garrison Roy, and today we're going to have a fun, deep dive into the topic of pitch counts. But before we get into that, uh, if you're new to the podcast, you want to check out any other episodes in the past, any of them that are labeled rants, that's just me just kind of going on and a rant of any um, you know topics or things that might be going on in the industry, things that I might be seeing on Twitter or just things that I'm you know, wanting to rant about. And then there's full-length interviews with other coaches, players, uh, to you know just kind of share their stories and how they get in the zone. And then also mental minutes are those quick uh, mental game hacks to help elevate your performance as a player and as a coach. And then obviously this deep dive one, I've only had a hand few of these. Working on just a few studies, but this one's going to be probably the deepest one because I br- I'm breaking out four different studies and one of those being a meta-analysis, which is also my favorite one. And some background here for some of you nerds or maybe newer nerds, a meta-analysis is a study of studies. So they're basically pulling all this stuff together and then just kind of compilating it all versus the other ones are probably just one group of people. And whatever their means of how they went about tracking things is what they come up with, right? But I'll put the links to all of these in the show notes. I'll go in that same order of all the studies here. But, of course, when it comes to pitch counts, you know, and I got to start with how this kind of came about where there was a, a youth coach that was like, oh, hey, yeah, the, the studies do say this. The studies say that we have to stay within the pitch counts. So the studies say that we have to do it. And I was kind of just taken back. I was like, all right, well, what studies are you talking about? Just trying to gauge a question. And again, I'm not trying to be it as if I know it all, but I just wanted to know what studies he was quoting and couldn't really back it up. He was like, oh, hey, yeah, this is the number X amount of numbers for X amount of rest today. I'm like, "Okay, are you referring to the suggestions that like Little League or USA Baseball has? Still couldn't really back it up. So I was like, "Okay, cool. I'll just kind of drop this conversation, but it intrigued me to want to de- dive into this a lot more. And for that one study, you know, you type in pitch counts, you look up some of the scholar uh, articles on that that you can at least see from public view. Because um, some of the studies that I have access to right now are more strength and conditioning, not necessarily for that. And sometimes they're a little pricey. So just hopped on Google Scholar and you guys can find these too from the links that I sent on here. Uh, But that first study was uh, an interesting one, right? There was over the course of uh, one year in 2017, 352 pitchers and they threw greater than 70 pitches, eight to 12 years old. And then another group was 367 in 2018. And they threw the limit that they were putting on these guys, I should say, were seven innings, right? So 70 pitches, seven innings. Any of you guys who've played baseball before, two totally different things. 
especially in youth baseball where games can get out of hand and especially whenever they're first learning how to get on the mound. 70 pitches could be the first three innings. Uh, and if they're trying to go seven innings, they might be pushing closer to 100 pitches, right? And they were saying, oh, 70 pitches is better. Well, th- duh, dummy. Like, <laughs> if you're going to have them do less, yeah, it's going to be less stressful. So that study that I just looked at, I was like, all right, well, that's a wash. That's just a cherry-picking claim of like, oh, less pitches, keeping them at this count alone, which, again, we all know that there's so many other factors involved in this. If any of you guys are free-thinking red pill people, you know that it's going to be a lot more than just the amount of pitches that you're tracking. So, again, that's study one. Study two, quick little recap on that one, 638 Little League World Series, guys. Were tracked, I think it was this early 2000s, and then there was a certain amount that went on to play professional baseball. So they were tracking them all through Little League, all the way up till they got to pro ball. 10% of those went to play pro ball. One out of 58 of those guys uh, who did not exceed pitch count numbers, right? So they're trying to justify this. He did require UCL repair as a professional athlete, whereas two out of the 58 or 50% of the guys who exceeded the pitch count recommendations also required a UCL repair. And I didn't really know what they're just kind of taking this in. I didn't really know what they were trying to draw conclusions. Like, yeah, a lot of these kids didn't make it to the pros. Okay, cool. So you got 10% of those guys out of that 10%, you're cherry picking and saying they have had more workload and more cumulative volume of throwing throughout their lifetime. And they have to have an injury. Uh, or or surgery for their arm, but they're referring back to something that happened like over 10, maybe 12 years ago. That one I'm out. I'm just like, okay, that doesn't make any sense. And their solution right at the end was like, oh, hey, let them play other positions. That still doesn't solve the problem of them having TJ whenever they're throwing a whole lot more at a higher intensity, with a lot higher uh, just stresses and pitching in more games and, yeah, that, that one didn't make sense to me either. So study two is out. All right. And then study three, I was like, all right, cool. This one, we're getting somewhere. They had variability of pitch counts across 48 states, and they did this through 2019, 2020. And again, also during kind of COVID years. So again, I'm like, all right, how many games were these guys actually playing? Who really knows? There was probably a lot of variance there with how they were going into things. But for the sake of this, right, overall, what they were doing over those 48 states was kind of compiling all the rules that they had. There was about 20% of the states that didn't even care to have anything to regulate pitch counts. But the ones who did, uh, the general consensus was if someone, and they were just using max pitch counts, when they got up to 110 pitches, they needed a four-day rest, which tracks pretty evenly with, what the USA baseball recommends for pitch count rules. Right. Uh, But what I thought was interesting and what they were kind of coming to, and I was like, okay, I see where you're going with this was if they had smaller sub max pitch limits, right? So instead of like having one inning or one game, excuse me, where they go hundred pitches and they just max everything out and dump it all in one. Right. Or they have 20 pitches here, 20 pitches here, 
20 pitches here, 20 pitches here, 20, 40, 60, 80. Cumulative, right? But they could span that out over the course of five days. Because if they're staying within that limit and they have one day rest in between, right? And they can have all of that or even, you know, just over a week long or two weeks long with tournament ball or however you want to do it, right? You have those kind of packed in there. Those guys having more pitcher, more pitches in that smaller window than a guy who, again, throws 100 and he has four days rest versus 140 in Skip ahead the next 60 seconds if you don't want to find out about the company I co-founded, Ink Sports Performance. So here's the scoop. At Ink Sports Performance, we get it. We were athletes ourselves, former college and professional pitchers. We were also perform- former college coaches as well. Rob and I, we don't do one-size-fits-all programs. We custom craft each training and throwing program and offer that one-on-one coaching support that you need where you're not just a number. We're all about that personal touch. We'll dive into your training videos, whip up some of the program designed to take you to your next level. Nothing cookie cutter here. So if you, one of your friends, or maybe a player that you know is serious about competing at the next level, hit us up on our website, give us a call, get that set up at inksportsperformance.com. And also just a heads up, we're also very selective who we take. Right? We only take a handful of dedicated athletes, and if you're not putting in the work, we'll have to say goodbye. So let's ink you in to the next level. You know, about the same amount of days, five-day span, which was rather interesting. And that got my wheels turning a little bit. I'm like, okay, yeah, there is some abuse going on as far as how they're kind of spinning these rules and they're saying, okay, hey, we're staying within this. We're not going over the pitch count, but they're also riding them out through other games, having them. And, you know, I hear horror stories of them pitching in a game in the morning. You know, some athletes where they pitch in the morning and then they pitch in another game at night. That one I'm really out on where, you know, you just, you don't want to warm up. And then especially at young ages, any, any kid under 12 should never do that. And I know it's it's a lot whenever these kids are playing all these tournaments and they're getting after it and they want to win and they only have nine players probably on their team. So they got to find someone to pitch and probably three out of those nine guys can actually pitch because, they're you know, you know again, they're they're still on the little field. They haven't gotten to that six feet, six inches yet, and they're still trying to figure out how to throw or some of them are dominating. and the coaches want to win they want to win so they're like screw it let's do it so again i i saw that i was like all right that one has some merit to it and then i stumbled across the meta analysis the study four link that you guys see in the show notes and again this was a meta analysis a lot of studies put together there were 16 of them that they looked at with little league and high school players and 12 with college and pros this was ranging from the actual pitch counts to actual things that were changing physiologically that they were measuring, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, you know, me just being a science nerd and go down and, and dig into those a little bit. But uh, you can see how some of these uh, and one in particular that I really liked was the McHugh study uh, where this was in younger athletes where there was a supra infraspinatus, supraspinatus, excuse me. 
tongue tied, supraspinatus, the rotator cuff muscle, their strength decreased over the over the course of their year whenever they were going down and pitching. And usually kids that are nine to 12 don't typically do strength training. So if their strength is decreasing, their power outputs decreasing, their velo is going down, and they're probably more apt for injury. Go figure on that one. But again, probably something else. It's more than just that muscle that's getting weaker, something else you're throwing, right? So the supraspinatus is a external rotator, right? Or on the backside of the shoulder. If you're throwing and doing a lot of internal rotation movements and all the bands that you're doing are internal rotation and less external rotation, there's a little bit of an imbalance there. And again, there's not a perfect balance of what it needs to be, but there needs to be some type of function and not a dysfunction of this gap and of that glenohumeral uh, joint. So I like that one. Uh, and then Popchok, he actually, they saw an increase in bicep and infraspinatus width. So again, bicep also kind of a supinator. Infraspinatus, another one of those, but it's probably just a lot of that kind of going in there. But, you know, it's interesting to see how the body's adapting through some of these guys who are increasing pitch counts. So the higher the pitch count, the higher these widths would go. So I thought it was kind of interesting to look at. Um, but, you know, you got you guys can't look at just the pitch count number and say, oh, this is the Mecca. This is the thing. Right. And that's what I was trying to get across to this guy. When I was talking to him, right, and even for some of these two-day, two-day weekend tournaments, Saturday, Sunday, you have 85 pitch count limits or, you know, so again, the, the berries of its U-trip, perfect game, whatever it is. But you guys have to keep into account of more of the cumulative workload, right? And there was one study in that meta-analysis that I saw. And that it was only with pro pitchers. So again, kind of bear with me here. And it was with Kara uh, Clois. And it's going over the cumulative amount of pitches that guys have had. Was 2,700 roughly to 3,300. Somewhere in that range of how many pitches that they've had over the course of the year. And these are in-game pitches, by the way. Uh 40 to 43% of those guys that were in that range, they had a 40 to 43% injury rate. So 100% of the guys who pitched those had 40 to 43% of being injured, which is relatively high for that group. But what I also thought was interesting, and it kind of validates my hunch of pitch counts aren't everything, is that when they had greater than 3,300 pitches per cumulative in their season, their injury rates actually decreased from that 43 to 37. Again, not a whole lot, but it comes to me and thinking outside the box here, okay, these guys who are throwing a lot more innings, they're able to get guys out a little bit more and they probably have more efficient mechanics where they're not having things break down really quickly. And they might also be starters. If you think about it in that sense, where they're going to have a lot more rest in between. So that's another factor to consider, right? Uh, but also really cool to see the guys who were six to seven innings. They had a 37% chance increase of getting an injury uh, versus a 
two to three inning guy, they are 21% chance. So less. So again, less pitches. Again, they're kind of tug of warring here. It's like, okay, is it less innings, less pitches, more innings, and less or and more rest? Again, it's I don't think there's ever gonna be a clear cut black and white answer. That's why we live in the gray right here. Um, but yeah, so that's really the biggest thing is like, Hey, like your year round macro pitches, that cumulative workload, how you're doing all of that, or the acute workload where you're doing per game or even how you're ramping up, uh, is, is really something that everyone I think should monitor. And I'm a huge fan of having the sleeves counting, you know, certain amount of throws that you have because there are high spikes, especially whenever you're starting to ramp up. And I mentioned that in episode 151 um, where we were talking about if you should shut down or not. So go back and listen to that one. But the rate at which a pitcher is going to increase their workload over time is very important. And if there's a huge spike there, that's where a lot of other guys that I've worked under, I think, um, you know, the guys over at the ranch really harped on this a lot. Ron and then uh, Randy Sullivan now is the armory. He was always saying like, hey, the rapid increase or the huge spike is why there's this Bermuda Triangle of March, April, May, where there's a lot of injuries happening because guys just aren't physically prepared for that if they took a really long time off and didn't allow uh, ample amount of time to ramp up. So, again, that's one factor to consider. The other ones that I couldn't really, I only found one study with this on, but again, it's a little more personable because some guys, when you have it labeled as different pitch counts, you have fastballs, you have cutters, you have curveballs, you have sliders. So it's really hard to kind of categorize some of those guys because their pitches are going to be one, velo is different, but also two how they're throwing them and what grip and how their form is being u- utilized for those like a spike grip or a normal grip or a slider versus, you know, a super changeup heavy guy or a splitter, especially a splitter, right? There's a huge difference in how the forearm works with that. Uh, whenever you're throwing those, you know, yes, those do take into account of if guys are going to, you know, fatigue more or less or get injured more or less. And there were some studies where they were saying guys who throw more breaking balls, you know, are more after injuries. And I'm like, I think that's BS because there's more guys that are throwing breaking balls now more than ever. And yeah, there might be a little bit more injuries, but aside the point, you can't isolate that and say that's the reason. It's really what I'm trying to say here. Uh, but again, there's pitch type and intensity. And, you know, you see all, uh, kind of reverting back to some of these little league kids. Right, you have warm up pitches, you have a bullpen, and then you have live, and they only count the live pitches. There's so many other things they could have very little or a whole lot of, or even if they're playing other positions, did they play outfield? Did they play infield? How many high intensity throws do they have? Or if they're a catcher, how many throwdowns did they have? Right. And the catcher can stay back there all day long, apparently, according to these rules, and just flip balls back and have a couple of high intensity throws or same thing for a shortstop, maybe a few where they let it eat outfielder. A lot of them that they just kind of lob in and then another one where they let it eat after not throwing for, you know, maybe 10 minutes whenever they're out on the field. So 
you know, it's it's more than just counting the amount of throws, or you can go down into quarterbacks, tennis, overhead serves, right? Like they're going to have a less cumulative amount of hard throws. There's a lot more of those that have a little bit more finesse. And where I'm getting with that is a lot of guys are throwing harder than ever now versus, you know, 1980s, 1990s. These pitchers were having a little bit more finesse. They were trying to actually pitch, getting guys out. They weren't trying to just absolutely blow by him every single time to exception of a few like Nolan Ryan, of course. But again, there's a lot of nuance here basically is what I'm trying to get at. And you can't really break it down to just having that one particular stat. Um, The other piece, the other factor that I think everyone should consider the most is also that recovery time and not saying that rest is going to be the solver of all issues. Cause that's what a lot of people think is like, Oh, Hey, your arm hurts. Just rest it again. Whole nother topic at hand there. Uh, but the recovery time is more of like between pitching appearances from live and also from bullpen to live. My general rule of thumb, try to have at least two days of a bullpen before a live, especially if you're a starter. Now, if you're a bullpen guy, you might need to mix in some short boxes in there just to get some feel. Uh, but those are more of like how they're going to go about their routine, how their body is actually recovering and adapting. We have technology out there now better than ever. I'm a huge fan of the arm care uh, dynamometer to kind of test out some of the strength there. And then obviously things like whoop and things like that, that you can monitor some of your recovery and sleep overall during that rest period. But again, that also goes hand in hand with how you ramp up as you're ramping up. Are you allowing yourself to have enough adequate amount of rest in between? The other factors here, which I kind of, you know, really just more alluded to, but never really explicitly said is the age and the developmental stage. Right. Some of these kids that we're looking at for study number one, those are eight to 12 year old kids. Right. Like they're definitely going to have less stress on their arms. And they're also developing and more risk for growth plate injuries and things like that as well. So that's a huge thing to consider and why, whenever it comes to that age group, I kind of am a fan of trying to limit guys. But again, you can abuse some of those rules and stay within the pitch limits, but have them pitch multiple games over the weekends, have them play rec in the middle of the week or practice all over the place and throw a lot of bullpens throwing every single day. And that cumulative workload spikes a lot, right? So again, keep that in mind. Uh, And then also injury history is another big, huge factor. And again, you can't isolate this, but if any guys have other previous injuries, more than likely they're going to be inhibited to how they're going to handle certain workloads and why, you know, certain amount of pitches might be indicating, Hey, certain things within their delivery are starting to have them break down and have some of those injuries versus guys who are more efficient that 3,300 plus from uh Caracolis's study. Those guys may have been able to withstand the stress a little bit more because they found more authentic mechanics that they would be able to withstand that stress and probably had enough ramp up workload involved with that too. Right. And again, everyone's going to be their own person. They are going to be their own individual. And I harp on this a lot. Everyone needs to have their authentic mechanical movements, but there are principles there and there's variability within that and knowing 
that not everyone's going to fit in a certain mold, just like not everyone's going to fit in a certain pitch count, right? So making sure, especially if you guys are listening to this, if you need so many guidance on this, I myself, and I know several other coaches out there who'd be willing to help and talk shop with you to help break this down. Um, and just really more overall workload management and tailoring that strategy to a specific player that you may be kind of scratching your head with, definitely feel free to reach out to me or any other coaches that you trust out there, right? But um, again, I think number of pitches is probably better than number of innings, put it that way. And I, I know there those rules might have changed for some leagues. Where they're like, hey, this is the amount of innings you pitch versus the amount of pitches. Obviously, don't take the amount of pitches that you took as cumulative throughout your entire year of like a mac of massive macro and draw a conclusion of like, hey, this is why you had TJ was because you went over the pitch count limit whenever you were 12 years old. Also ridiculous. But again, variability and the amount of pitch counts all throughout the states, everyone's environment is also very different. So Again, something that I didn't really touch on while I was talking talking about study three, but something I kind of, you know, also inferred with that because there was 48 states. The other two, I'm sure that didn't get included, may not have had much baseball uh, participation. So um, and then, you know, the meta analysis, you guys can get lost in that rabbit hole so much, but feel free to dive into this yourself. I got all of those links down below. And if you got anything from this or know someone who needs to listen to this, maybe even get a little bit more insight, share the show, please, and stay in the zone.